Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homerism Podcast, and we're recording this episode on Wednesday, October 24th, 2018. The Oklahoma Sooners are hosting the Kansas State Wildcats in Norman this weekend, so I've invited our friend and Kansas State expert Ty Berger, the editor emeritus of Bring on the Cats, to come on the show and preview the game. So let's go ahead and welcome Ty Berger on. Ty, how you doing, man? Doing good. Always good to talk with you about the Sooners and the Wildcats. Yeah, definitely. We've been doing this for a while now, and uh, you know, it it, we, it seems like we always end up rehashing some of the same stories because uh, there was so much stability there in uh, Manhattan and, and Norman, really, for a long time. Um, I'm not going to ask you to start off here about what's going to happen with Bill Snyder, but I do want to ask. Um, you know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, a case where he's had some, you know, health problems over the years. He's getting up there. Um, you know, Snyder's always been one of those guys who was known for, you know, kind of having his fingerprints on everything, but is he kind of, has he been taking more of a step back from game planning and day-to-day type stuff with, uh, with this team? That's the impression that we get. It's hard to really know what's going on at Fort Snyder just because he keeps such a tight lock on the information that gets out. So, um, you know, we're, we're always kind of, uh, shooting in the dark and trying to connect dots and reading, probably reading more into what's said at press conferences than maybe really warranted. But it, it seems that way. Um, it seemed like something changed after 2012 and, you know, some, you know, what changed may have been that we no longer had Colin Klein and Arthur Brown and some of those guys, but we've had some pretty talented players and some pretty decent teams, uh, you know, in the, you know, even in 2013 and 2014, but it always felt like something was different. It seemed like there was, more of a disconnect among the coaches. Snyder would come to press conferences conferences and say things like, you know, when he was asked about why a certain player didn't play more, like, well, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I feel like maybe we should have played him more. And it's like, you know, we always hear that and go, you're the infamous control freak head coach. Mm-hmm. If, if you want him to play more, then I think that you can make that happen. So it, it seems like something's changed. And Snyder has, uh, you know, candidly said that, his son, Sean, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of more or less runs our program now. Now, you know, as lawyers, we know that that's kind of a weaselly way of saying that, you know, Sean does a lot and he's the associate head coach. So you would think that the associate head coach does a lot. But does that mean that Sean is truly running the program and Bill is more of a figurehead? I I mean, I would be surprised if that were the case, but um a lot of what we're doing on offense and defense, um, and particularly offense, I would say, doesn't seem like it's as organized as it has been in the past. It doesn't seem like it's um, adapted to our personnel as well as it has in the past. So, it, and, and really, you know, you, you look at 2013 um, when the coaches were trying to choose between Jake Waters and Daniel Sams, a quarterback, and then um, it hasn't been maybe as pronounced until this year when they were trying to choose between Skylar Thompson and Alex Delton, but there was a lot of indecision um, in those, in, you know, in those battles. And it seemed like it took four or five, six games in 2013 before we finally said, you know, the, before the coaches finally said, okay, Waters is our guy. And it took three or four games this year before they really finally said, okay, you know, Skylar Thompson's going to be our guy. So I definitely agree that I think that, um, you know, he probably because he is 79 and probably because he, um, you know, had the health battle with cancer last year, 
I, I mean, it's hard to imagine having the same type of energy that he had in his 50s when he came to K-State. So I think you're I think you're right. I think there is a pretty good chance that he is not as involved as he has been in the past. And you mentioned the kind of indecision and disconnect. I mean, you know, there was a story that, you know, uh, surfaced earlier this season about uh or essentially Snyder making a change at quarterback really without telling anybody. I mean, you know, I guess, you know, how, what kind of, uh, I guess what kind of situations or bombs can that set off when, you know, when necessarily the, uh, the right hand isn't really talking to the left hand, you know? <laughs> well, I, I think, I think one thing it does is shows your first year offensive coordinators who's really in charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the best way to go about that, but um, but yeah, it, I I have had some criticisms of uh, what Andre Coleman and Colin Klein are trying to do with the offense, um, and I think that they I think that they've been butting heads with uh, with Snyder about what they want to do there. So I think Snyder, you know, it looks like Snyder took things into his own hands there, and you know, I, it's it's just bizarre that you wouldn't you know, be in the headset or walk over to Coleman on the sideline and be like, Hey dude, we're going to go with Delton now. Um, I mean, Snyder probably wouldn't quite say it like that, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, that was, that was just really, really weird. Like yeah. it, it was just like, I mean, you know, sure. It's his prerogative to play whoever he wants. He's the head coach, but it wasn't collaborative. And like I mentioned in the previous, on the previous point, there's been a noticeable disconnect in the way things that are going. And, I don't think that's maybe a huge surprise. You look at the history of Bill Snyder's offensive coordinators, the most distinguished offensive coordinator that he's had is Dana Dimmel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you contrast that with his roster of defensive coordinators over the year, and you've got Bob Stoops and Jim Levitt, and you know, I'm, I'm missing another one or two big names in there. Um, but he has always hired really you know, up-and-coming uh, and ultimately pretty successful on some level coaches at defensive coordinator. Um, and his offensive coordinators seem like they've always been kind of a vessel for whatever it is that he wants to do. He, he sort of, mm-hmm. he imparts his Yoda like wisdom and they are supposed to divine what it is that he wants to do and put it into action. So I think that, I think that in a way that might've been a sort of a wake up call to those guys saying, Hey, I'm still in charge here. And and we're going to make some changes, you know, and at least give this a try. Yeah, and of course, uh, the, they're back to Skylar Thompson uh, at quarterback. Uh, you know, I've got to, and Delton, I believe, is hurt, right? I mean, he's not. He's, is he going to be available for this game? Yeah, that's the word. Is that he's hurt? Um, I'm skeptical that he's going to be available for this game. So I would expect that Thompson's going to start and play most, if not all, of the game. Well, uh, after the way things went last season, and it's funny, I think that there are a lot of Sooner fans who would actually prefer uh, prefer Thompson to Delton just uh, based on how <laughs> they just steamrolled OU with that running game last year. But a big key to that is uh, Alex Barnes, who's a guy who uh, really, in my opinion, doesn't get his due you know, within the conference or nationally just in terms of uh, you know, what a strong, kind of durable runner he is. Um, you know, I've got to think that uh, that they see some opportunities to exploit OU's defense, right? I mean, you know, everybody's seen how uh, much OU struggled with the physical running games this year. Yeah, and I mean, you saw it. Snyder said basically as much in his press conference this week. He was looking at the uh, film from the 
OU Army game and said he wanted to emulate that. <laughs> I don't think we're going to actually run a bunch of triple option or anything, but um, but I do expect that um, that Snyder is going to um, is going to probably rein in his OC's uh, instincts toward more of a you know ten personnel uh, four wide passing game and be like, hey, look, we can run the ball at these guys. Let's do it. Look at what we did last week against Oklahoma State. Um, we really, in the second half, K-State really committed to a downhill running game. They got the offensive line going, and they were just, I mean, they were blowing holes in Oklahoma State's front, and Barnes was just chewing them up. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I definitely think they're going to give that a shot. Um, I agree with you on Barnes. He's kind of a throwback. You know, you're, we're so used to, in the spread era, you know, these smaller running backs who are, are shiftier and can get out and catch passes. And I'm not saying he can't. He actually showed some pretty nice pass catching ability against OSU. But you know, he like he's he's big, he's he's strong, he fights for every yard, um, and you know he uh, he's 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 a different kind of back than we've had at K State. And he's really starting the the last you know two or three weeks. He's really uh, he's really picked it up. Yeah, and then looking, though, at the uh, other side of the offense, the passing game, uh, you know, here it looks like the Wildcats are pretty limited to me. Yeah, they are. Um, Thompson Thompson is still – he's still in that, you know, first 12 games starting, which seems like kind of the magic number with uh, quarterbacks at K-State. I don't really know why that is, but um, it seems like it takes them more or less a full season of, of game reps to get – up to game speed and he has a nice arm and he throws some nice balls, but he's still, he's still missing reads and he's still missing throws. And it's, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's because he is just fundamentally a bad quarterback. I think he's just still getting used to the game speed out there and making the reads that he needs to make. And the other, the other side of that is we have one receiver who's pretty solid in, in Isaiah Zuber. Um, but as a whole, we, you know, we, we don't have any, distinguishing traits among our receivers we don't have any anybody with elite speed and we don't have anybody who's an elite route runner um so they don't get a lot of separation and if they're you know and they're when you're going up against a team like OU that's going to be able to just flat out out athlete them in the secondary I don't really expect that the passing game is going to get a lot of traction in this one what about though, you know, kind of playing off the running game uh, with play action and whatnot? Uh, you know, if OU starts uh, kind of crashing their safeties down or trying to stack the box a little bit there against Barnes, uh, I mean, do you feel like there's any opportunity there for uh, Thompson and those receivers to take advantage of OU over the top? That's always the hope with our passing game, just because, you know, unless we have a Tyler Lockett or somebody like that, we probably don't have the guys who can just go win one-on-one -on -one matchups, you know, on an every down basis. So we're going to have to have that element of deception or surprise or whatever to, to help get guys open. Um, I mean, I, I can see it happening. I don't know if it can happen often enough to score enough points to keep up with, a, you know, a truly elite offense like OU. Um, but like you mentioned, if if the offensive line can get Barnes going and K State can chew up chew up some yards on the ground and muck things up and melt the clock and you know limit possessions and keep the ball away from OU and all those things that the broadcasters always say, hmm. you know they could, you know they could bring their flower sacks to this knife fight and you know somehow uh, keep it close for a while. Um, 
and and maybe they will, you know, maybe they can hit a big play like that. They, you know, they've shown some, uh, you know, they've shown a little bit of creativity. They got Barnes loose down the field for a, you know, for a nice uh, 20 or 30 yard grab last week. And Dalvin Warmack is probably our, I would say our best athlete on offense. And they seem like they've been uh, managing to get him more involved in the last few weeks. So there's a chance of that. I just don't know if it's often enough. And the, the other problem with that is, you know, even if OU does get caught crashing down, they still have better athletes on the back end that can erase some of those mistakes. So uh, hope, I, obviously I hope so, but I'm not terribly optimistic about it. How about, uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, I mean, you know, Oklahoma's got a pretty electric offense. Um, and, you know, we saw last year that, oh, you had, you know, fair amount of success moving the ball, um, you know, there in the game in Manhattan. But, uh, you know, there were – Kansas State did a few things to uh, slow them. You know, I mean, particularly that, uh, you know, interception there in the end zone and whatnot. Uh, I mean, do you feel like Kansas State has a shot here to uh, turn OU over or do anything like that to, uh, you know, kind of get, get a little bit of an edge possession-wise? If they do, it'll come from Duke Shelley at cornerback. He's really played well this year, um, you know, to use the – to use the terminology I've seen you and some others throw around, he's a dog. Yeah, uh, he's, he, he, he just, he just fights, you know, he's, he's not very big. And every week in the big 12, he's going up against receivers who have five or six inches and 30 or 40 pounds on him. And he, he battles and he gets in position and, you know, he's a real, he's probably, you know, one of our best tacklers. So, um, you know, he, he's going to be the guy who's going to make a play for us if it's going to happen. Uh, and, and it might, he's, he's been really tough, uh, this year. Uh, if you look at the overall body of work, uh, the problem that I see with this one is that K-State is much worse along the defensive line this year than they were last year. The loss of Will Geary has been huge. We just, we have not, not plugged that hole in the middle at all. Um, they're getting more sound overall, but they're really beat up at linebacker. So they're playing some guys who are you know, who just don't have a lot of reps. So they're, you know, sometimes they, you know, they, they trust their reads and they get downhill and they make a nice play, but then the next play they, they don't trust themselves and they get tentative and they get beat. So I just think that, uh, I think that our secondary overall is pretty solid. We look, we look pretty nice at safety with Eli Walker and uh, Denzel Goolsby has been back uh, playing in the, in recent weeks. So, between you know between Shelley and and those two guys at uh, at safety, the secondary is pretty solid. The problem that I see is that the offense or the defensive line just has not gotten any pressure. And um, you know I haven't watched a ton of OU this year, but OU is always good along the offensive line. So I I have this I have this fear that Kyler Murray is going to have eons and eons to throw the ball, and you know you just can't cover that long. And you know and even if you do, he he, you know, we've we've seen his athleticism make plays when when the passing play when the called passing play breaks down. So, I'm not real optimistic about our chances against this this team. But you know, maybe he does throw one to Duke and we get an extra possession. And you know, the, if the offensive line is working, that I mean, that's that's our formula for keeping it close and having a shot late. Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, you know, I've heard brought up talking about the uh Oklahoma State game uh, a couple weeks back was that you know, OSU really didn't try to take advantage of uh Kansas State's linebackers. Are they that much of a problem? 
Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> I mean, I know you talked, yeah. you, just, you talked about it earlier already, but you know, it just, uh, I was kind of surprised because it's one position where it feels like Kansas state is normally fairly well coached. Yeah, they are. And um, you know, for half of last year, I think that everybody was looking at Trent tanking and Jade Kirby and be like, oh, I can't wait for these guys to graduate so we can, you know, get the younger guys some reps, which, you know, the, the backup linebacker, the backup quarterback are, you know, they're mm-hmm. always the most popular guys on campus, but yeah, funny how that but, works. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny how you, you think they look great until they come into the game and have to actually <laughs> make plays. Um, but you know, Daquan Patton and, um, oh my God, I just went blank on, uh, the other guy we started on the uh, Elijah Sullivan, uh, they, they uh, you know they they've they've shown some really nice athleticism in spots, but um, they also started the season looking a lot like tanking and Kirby looked the first six games last year. They were tentative and they hesitated and they got beat. Um, and then Sullivan's been hurt a lot of the year. Patton's been hurt a little bit off and on, I think. So we've had you know we've had guys like Justin Hughes in there and Sam Sizelove and. And those guys just, you know, I mean, if you're if you're already starting guys who are green enough that they're not trusting their reads and they're not playing fast because of it, then you, you know, if you're playing the guys behind them, it's only going to get worse. And to his credit, Justin Hughes has, uh, you know, he played a pretty nice game against Oklahoma State. Um, you're right. I am a little bit surprised that they didn't try to do more to test them because um, just because that sh- those should be the matchups they should be able to win against our defense if anything um and i expect that oklahoma will so, so um so i uh I, i'm not i'm not looking forward to uh, watching them chase your slot guys around a lot fair enough fair enough well since uh today is the start of uh big 12 media days i believe for basketball in fact i say start i believe there's only one big 12 media day for basketball uh <laughs> wanted to get your take though on the wildcats uh you know coming back off of uh you know a fairly successful year <laughs> yeah it was uh it was a it was a most unexpected end of the season last year um it, the funny thing i was kind of i was kind of keeping track of uh weber's comments on uh, Twitter this morning, and I got to give the guy credit. He's not shying away from the expectations. No, not uh, at all. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I, I kind of look at the tournament as a crapshoot where you know you you get you get a good matchup and you get a good break here, and all of a sudden you're in the Sweet 16. Well, I mean, K State got about as good a break as you can get with a 16 seed beating the number one overall seed. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, they were they were more or less gifted a Sweet 16 appearance without their best player. Now, give them. Give them credit. They beat Kentucky in that Sweet 16 game and made an Elite Eight. And, you know, they 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 got another seeming break when they got Loyola, but they were, you know, they were they were shorthanded and they kind of ran out of gas in that one. Mm-hmm. So they just and, and Loyola's good. I don't want to take anything away from them. I was I was at that game in Atlanta and I was really impressed with how uh, well coached Loyola was. Yeah, so very much so. So I mean, you know, Weber's Weber's like, well, we're number twelve in the country, and we we made the elite eight last year. I'm like, yeah, you know, Bruce, <laughs> being being one of the final eight teams doesn't mean that you were one of the best eight teams over the course of the year. Now, you know, I'm I'm not arguing with the ranking. I was a little surprised. I thought they'd probably come in more like eighteen to twenty, somewhere in that range. But you know, the 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 pollsters are obviously looking at last year and saying, yeah, you know, they finished in the Elite Eight. Maybe they're not quite that good, but they're still pretty good. And honestly, if they have Dean Wade uh, healthy and he, you know, 
and he makes some improvement over last year, which, I mean, he took a huge step just in the season last year. That's a tough team because mm-hmm. he's such a matchup problem for everybody. And then Barry Brown is just, I mean, you, you want to talk about dogs. Yeah. I mean, he oh is, my gosh, he yeah. is the leader of this team. And I, I love that guy. I mean, you can tell his teammates love him. They love playing with him. The coaches love him because he sets the example. I mean, he, he is the guy and I love it. So they're going to need a little more outside shooting and they're going to need a little more rebounding. But if they get that, I think they can be pretty tough. I mean, KU's, yeah, you know, KU is KU. They're going to be pretty salty this year as long as you know, well, things yeah. don't go sideways <laughs> off the court. I was going to say, but, got, they're going through some other stuff right now. But. Yeah, yeah. As, as long as the off the court stuff doesn't send them sideways, they're going to be, you know, pretty, pretty hard to stop in the Big 12. But, you know, I am K-State's looking like the second best team in the Big 12 and the kind of team that could make another Sweet 16 run. And then, you know, whoever, you know, depending on matchups, see what you get there and I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I, they're, they're always going to be detractors for Bruce just because, you know, fans wanted Frank Martin and Bruce is not a you know, a guy who inspires a lot of, uh, you know, uh, he, I, I just say he's not all that inspiring from the outside, but he's a pretty good coach and he's got a good team this year. So I'm excited to watch it. I think it's going to be a fun winner. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like you guys are going to be, you know, I, I, I hesitate to use the word stuck with Bruce Weber, but I'll go ahead and say it's stuck, <laughs> stuck with Bruce Weber for a little while. So, uh, but uh, no, no, it should be a good season, though. It, it, it's a, it's potentially a blessing and a curse. We'll see how the next three or four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, Ty, thanks so much, man. How often are you writing now over at uh, Bring on the Cats? Oh, I write the football game pre- previews every week, and uh, I've been trying to write a little bit of a recap post every week. But we hired, or uh, well, we hired, we brought on another guy who, uh, who actually writes for several different SB Nation sites. But he he has a better football mind than me, so he uh, he does a better job on those. Oh on those man, I have a hard time anyway, believing that. So. I have a hard time. I always get such a good breakdown <laughs> of the Wildcats from you, man. So anyway, Ty, yeah, Ty, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, always appreciate it, Alan. Take care. All right. That was Ty Berger. You can find him occasionally over at uh, Bring on the Cats. He's been a longtime guest and uh, expert on all things K-State athletics. So uh, we'll definitely have him back on soon, and much uh, much obliged to him for coming on. Thanks to you all for joining us, too. For the Blayton Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. <laughs>